Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the podcast where you will get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. This episode is sponsored by Zerk.Work. If you're a mobile heavy-duty mechanic, please check out Zerk.Work. In this episode today, we are going to discuss what happens when a trucking fleet gets sold. To help us with that, I'd like to introduce you to Neil Gerritsen. Now, Neil is part of the leadership group at Alberta Business Sales, a business brokerage firm located in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, that specializes in connecting business buyers and sellers. Neil, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Now, Neil was a guest on the Build a Better Business podcast on episode 133, and we talked about what it takes to build a business and then sell it. And if you're interested in learning about that, then I've included a link in the show notes so that you can easily go over to the Build a Better Business podcast website and listen to that episode. Today, though, we are going to specifically talk about the deal that Neil just brokered to sell a transportation fleet. Now, Neil, I'd like you to take us through the process a little bit, first by talking about the people who owned the business that wanted to now sell it. So maybe you could set the stage for us a little bit. What was the situation with their business? It was a family-run business where there was a father and two children running the business. Really, the father was more of a part-time owner because he was in his late 60s. The son and the daughter really ran the uh, business. The daughter ran the financial side of the company, and the son ran the, um, the operations, as well as probably did a lot of the marketing of the company. Now, it had been a business that had probably been around, you know, close to, I think, around eight to 10 years. But for a variety of reasons, they wanted to exit it. And uh, one of the children was moving out of country and um, the others wanted to do something different or go into a different industry. So hence the reason why they came to us and said, you know, they had actually, believe it or not, attempted to sell it prior to us getting it as a listing and um, with little or no success. And fortunately enough, we were managed to find them a buyer who uh, actually the buyer was, um, I'll explain this a little bit on is uh, the buyer was also a uh, in the trucking industry as well. So, You've got a situation where it's a family-owned business. Uh, how large of a fleet had they built in, in nearly 10 years? They had 10 units themselves and two contracted trucks. Okay. So um, they were strictly short haul. So what ended up happening is they really, um, they had access to trailers if need be, but they did primarily uh, short haul, you know, I, I would say within three to 400 clicks of Edmonton. They they just they were a very specific freight trucking company. So they had a specialized uh, area that they focused on. Now, with these ten uh, units that they had, did they have drivers for all of those units in place? They had, they had contracted drivers with uh, specific contracts, and um, 
you know, they, they also, um, one of the things I really give them a lot of credit for is, is that they did a really good job in keeping their overhead down and they knew how to, how to run it where with proper overhead. So in other words, they did not have anything ostentatious or anything like that. I mean, they had a yard, they parked the trucks in, had the ability to, to plug them in and, and had a relationship with someone who is a mechanic where they just took it into their shop and they fixed it within 24 hours and their downtime was very minimal. Um, but they had all, they had excellent relationships in every aspect of the business from clients to how people served it, serviced them, to insurers, to um, how they bought trucks. Everything was very well done. Life happens and people make changes. Uh, as you mentioned, the father was working part-time, getting a bit older. The children wanted to go in different directions. I think sometimes we get locked in where we think that what we're working on today is going to be permanent. And I see how this family, they worked hard, obviously, for nearly a decade. They built those relationships, but at some point something changed. So did they do anything themselves to prepare themselves for the sale before they came and met with you? Um, I think that the biggest thing that they recognized, it was more of an internal discussion about why they wanted to sell. But one of the things that they understood was that the trending of the company was on an upward swing. So really at the end of the day, like one of the biggest things for us is to understand that you need to see at least 18 months of, of an upward swing. So they kind of dipped in kind of 15, 16 but 17, 18, 19 were all skyrocketing upwards. So they understood that even though they wanted to sell it, at the time when it was low and quiet, they just kind of hankered down and more or less made it through it. But as they started to move up, then their focus, they really watched their numbers and they were really about getting value out of the company for as much as possible. And if they started nine years ago, they started when things were down because that would have been right around the kind of the major impact of the 2008-9 crash. So they did what you're supposed to do. They started low and, and uh, sold high. They would never, ever bring on equipment unless there was incremental business to be able to absorb the cost of that, that, that vehicle that they bought. So the truck they bought. So they were always very mindful on how to bring, at what level do you bring in or do you extend yourself in that extra cost? And how do you how you acquire that equipment, i.e. lease, cash, etc.? So it sounds like they were also very conscious of not being leveraged to a point where if things declined, they were going to get into trouble. Yeah. And it's a very, very much was a very, um, in our industry, we talk about processes and so on. And it was very much of an embedded process in that business around everything they did, whether it was a client service, or it was around um, acquiring a truck, whether it was, you name it, they did it, so. Now, did dad have a background in the heavy duty trucking industry prior to starting this business? None of them did, they just kind of fell into it. Really, so none of them really had a background in the industry. Did they have any kind of specialized training that made them successful business owners? They were all educated. Um, the person that was leaving the country has a PhD. Um, they're all very educated, smart people. They had had small business before, but they hadn't specifically. Uh, I believe this was their for. I believe this is their first foray into um, a trucking company, and they kind of learned by trial and error at the beginning. To be honest with you, okay. There's two important things I want to highlight. One they didn't have specific specialized training in the industry. And that's important to note. They were willing to fail up front. 
They made some mistakes. They learned through experience. And the second thing I want to highlight is they used principles, business principles that allowed them to grow incrementally and guided them in these decisions. So anybody who's listening, who's thinking about wanting to get into business, this is really, really important. There's always going to be that measure of risk starting this business when things were down. I'm sure there was a level of risk. And then as the years went on, we all know what's happened in Alberta. It's not been the best economic times that they built this business in. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, uh, that's but they found themselves in a niche market and they found themselves with niche clients that made it um, something of a bit of a different different egg to sell. And, you know, um, we see, you know, we see, in, especially in that industry, you know, you have long haul, you have fuel hauling, you have liquid hauling, et cetera, et cetera. And, but they found themselves a niche market that, that a lot of things proved out over time. That's where they specialized in. So although they didn't have specialized experience and training, they found an area, a space in the market where there was a gap and there was a market and they were able to fill that. Now, you've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report, and I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Neil Garrison of Alberta Business Sales. We're talking about what it takes to build and then sell a trucking fleet. And now we're going to move on and talk about the, the, sell, the, the person who was buying the fleet, the company that was buying them. So give us a little background of that company. Who were they? What were they, what were they structured like? They are an existing trucking company who does a different line of trucking, more contract trucking, longer haul, works all over essentially Western Canada, but mostly does um, like gravel hauling, uh, road work, that type of work. So they were a much larger company than this one. But what ended up happening is, is that they wanted to expand their offering or they wanted to acquire this because they did something totally different. And it was basically two partners who came in and bought this, but they bought it with the idea of understanding that, you know what, it's a local, it serves a local marketplace, but they may eventually try and move it into more of a logistics type of a business and expand it with more acquisitions and just kind of get their feet wet for a year to two years with this company and then move it into something possibly bigger. As they are looking at expanding, they they look at someone who has captured a niche and that they can learn something from. So obviously, they're they're saying, look, there's value in buying this company more than just the assets. There's value there. Uh, what value was the the company that's doing the buying bringing to this small business that they're acquiring? Well, they were a known operator and they knew costs. They knew um, essentially how to run uh, a trucking company from the expense side. But it was, it was a very different revenue stream that they had that they were being able to attach to. But the other part of it is, is that the overheads were not as, they were very distinctly different because um, the other one was a, was a, was a, a truck and trailer um, company. And this is just strictly trucks. And they basically hook on to the trailers and haul the freight. So, I mean, for them, it was something very, a little bit slightly different and not really kind of used to. The other part of it is, is that cash flow and billing was very different. I would tell you the company they acquired, uh, the cash flow and billing was far quicker than anything they were being, that was being done in the other company. So that was also one of the appeals to them. So more money in the account quicker. That's definitely appealing. Uh, anybody that works in, for example, the oil field industry knows that it can be, if never mind 90 days, it can be 120, 180 days to get paid. 
It's very difficult to run a business when all of your suppliers are expecting net 30 and really are only going to give you maybe net 45 before they start closing your accounts. Yeah. And I mean, I think that uh, the cash flow part of it, um, the margin on it was, is, of course, as well, was totally different. I mean, on the company they acquired, the margin was far greater than the one they were doing dealing with before. And I think that also appealed to them, too, because if they could increase revenue, of course, profitability goes up. And you know what? There's, you know, and the other thing is utilization of assets. So in other words, using, you know, maybe trucks from one company to another, if there's a challenge around needing to add resources, it makes it very simple, right? Right now, we've mentioned that times are tough in Alberta, especially in the energy sector. And I work with a lot of fleets. I'm seeing fleets go out of business. I'm seeing fleets really struggling. What lessons can we take away from this interaction, this deal that you brokered that might help people who are struggling right now? What what can they be doing to try to strengthen their position and hang on until the energy sector rebounds? You know, my biggest thing is, is that I think that you really need to understand your costs. Like, I mean, and every piece of your costs, like your fixed costs and your variable costs. So in other words, like, do you need a giant shop to run your company out of? Do you need, you know, can you be in rural Alberta versus in a downtown Edmonton or a city where the cost per square foot is more? I, I think costs are big deal. If anything I've learned out of this deal is, is that if you're hands-on and you manage the costs in a proactive manner, you'll be fine, but also find the right situation that'll work for you. You know, quite honestly, they, they ran it out of a rented office that they use sparingly. So they really, their, their rent and land and building costs is very minimal. So, I mean, they ran it to make money. They didn't run it to do anything else. And the other part of it is, is that they had excellent relationships with drivers. They had a process on how to onboard drivers. So their biggest cost, which is the labor, um, ended up working out very well for them because they ended up having established relationships with um, good drivers, which also helped them immensely. One of the other biggest pieces I would tell you is, is that some people don't like short haul business, and sometimes it's hard to get into that. But I think you need to be really, I think a mix of business is very good. Any business isn't good business. You have to be a little bit more fussy than that. Right. So diversifying your customers and looking for those little gaps in the marketplace where there's an opportunity for you to fill that gap in a profitable way can go a long way to helping you survive this downturn. Yeah. And I, and I would tell you is, is that we sold that business on a cash flow basis. So in other words, we sold it on the profitability of the company. I've done other transactions in, in the trucking industry where didn't matter. It was only worth the iron. Um, and it was only strictly worth the appraised value of the iron. And I understand in some transactions, that's very, very true because the clients are fleeting. But one of the things we did that was interesting in this deal is, is that they engaged the, one of the operations manager of the previous owner to stay on for a year on an earnout basis. And what I mean by an earnout basis is that if the, if everything stays the same and profitability is the same, they'll pay them an additional amount of money after a year, providing their all the business sticks around. And when we did it that way and we structured it that way, it was a win-win for both companies. 
And it was a win for the seller because they got more money for the company. And it was a win for the buyer because the clients were embedded there with the new ownership. It took us a bit to find the right buyer. But when we did, it just fell together. And um, <laughs> I know the trucking industry is very, very, very much against what I just did. But we did it and it ended up being a great situation because I'll tell you, I had more people tell me that there's no way I could get that price for them, my client, but we ended up getting it for them. Yeah. When I sold my contracting business, that is how we structured it as well. And my wife stayed on and ran the front end of the office. And over a three-year period, we just grew the business and grew the business and grew the business. They kept me on as a consultant for two years. We're now coming up four years out of selling our business. And my wife is still working uh, with that buyer. And we're still making an increased amount on the total profits that we're collecting out of that sale because of that involvement. That continuity in service with the customers was an extremely important part of that deal. And that is why our customer attrition rate is less than 2% on that deal. And that's now four years out. So we were really happy with that. And it made a big difference for the buyer, made a huge difference for us on the back end. We made a lot more money in year three and four than we did in year one and two. Yeah. And I mean, I think that if people are looking to exit, I think patience is a virtue. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things is, is that I think that if you're willing to stick around, it's going to be end up being more money in your pocket. If you want a quick sale, it's going to basically be the iron. And, you know, and, and you think about it from an outsider's point of view, if you're just, if you're, if you're not guaranteeing me a revenue stream, you really, your business is only worth the iron. 100%. And I think that right now, if there's someone listening that is part of a, that perhaps they're part of an ownership group of a, of some trucks or some trailers, a fleet, they're really struggling right now. Think about strategic partnerships like that. Think about how can you create that opportunity to kind of survive the bottom of this economic valley and get to the place where things are starting to recover. How can you do that in a strategic way? That's in a, really critical thing to spend a lot of time thinking about instead of just packing everything up and sending it to the auction. Yeah. And I think that that people's initial reaction is exactly that is that just, let's just fire sale this thing and get out of it and you know, whatever. But you know what, if, if, if you see, you know, if you're in, a, in the first three months of a downturn, man, you got to start scrambling to start thinking about how can I diversify this thing and make it better? One of the good things about this business we just sold was is that every piece of equipment that was bought or purchased generated revenue. And think about it from that point of view. If you have stuff that isn't generating revenue, even though you use that piece of equipment once or two or three or four times a year, you know what? Rent it. Get rid of it. The biggest thing is is that if I buy 10 trucks and four of them are, are generating revenue and six aren't, it doesn't make sense. Like It just doesn't make sense. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Neil Garrison of Alberta Business Sales. If you'd like to learn more about what Neil does, and if you are a fleet owner and you're looking to sell your business, or if you're in a repair shop business, then Neil's the guy that you want to talk to. You can go to Alberta Business Sales website, which is absales.ca. Links are in the show notes. Neil, thank you for being on the podcast. Great. Always good talking to you. Thanks for your time. 
Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? Go to heavydutypartsreport.com to listen to and subscribe to the podcast. And remember to focus on cost per mile over purchase price and keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.